Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we get to be alive and in your presence, Lord. We just pray that as we listen to this sermon, Lord, that we would be able to feel you in uh, in this room. And Lord, we thank you for all that you've done and all that you're doing in our lives. And most of all, Lord, we thank you for who you are and what you sacrificed for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. What a blessing to be with you guys. I'm so glad to see you. It is so good to see you too. Um, do me a favor, turn to whoever you're sitting next to and say, you are so blessed to sit by me. Go ahead and tell them real quick. I am just ecstatic to be with you guys today, and that's not just words. I've got several reasons uh, several reasons why, uh, and I want to share them right off the bat, but I'm not going to do it because I, I need to explain something to you before we get there, and I'll tell you why I'm so excited in just a moment. Um, uh, you're going to see on some slides back here that I want to talk to you about a concept called uh, Generations. Do we have that up there? Anybody? There we go. Generations, repairing the breach. And uh, one verse to just kick us off and then a passage that I want to study, and I'll tell you why. On the next slide, you're going to see, there we go. This is a a foundational element. In Isaiah 58, it says, uh, and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Uh, What he was saying was that it looks like the world's broken, that the culture is spinning out of control, and that something isn't right. And I would say that what Isaiah was seeing then is kind of what we're seeing today. If you'd look around, we got some brokenness. Can I at least get an amen to that? As you look around the world, we got some brokenness. But he says, there'll be some who raise up and they're repairers of the breach. They repair the fence so that we can defend what needs to be defended and that we can, we can uphold what needs to be upheld. And, and I want to challenge us to do that today. And I want to do it by understanding a biblical concept that I think is going to give us some strength. And it's countercultural to Western Christianity today. So this is going to be a little uncomfortable. Most of what I have to share with you for the next 20, 30 minutes is going to be hard to swallow. You're going to need a couple days to process. You're going to probably think I'm a heretic, but just deal with it. Uh, Like the Apostle Paul said, someday soon you will realize I am right. Okay, that's the way that works. Uh, He didn't actually say that. I'm just saying that. Okay. So let me take you to uh, another graphic I want you to see here. We love talking about generations. And so uh, very quickly, here's a crash course in generations. The lost generation uh, was those that fought in World War I. And they were lost not because we lost them. They were lost because uh, they were lost in how they lived. Once they came back, they did not know what to do. And they were labeled the lost generation. Then was the greatest generation. They're the ones, uh, 1901 to 27, but they fought in World War II. And, uh, and, and they were old enough to go to battle. They were known as the greatest generation. The silent generation They were labeled that in their own day because even though there were offenses like in the civil rights uh, era, they were the ones who were silent. They were just like, let it be, let's just be quiet. It was not a good name to be the silent generation. They were the ones who wouldn't stand for for much. And then you got boomers. Now, everybody in here, you know, because that's become an insult term, isn't it now? You, boomer, right? We say that to people when we want to call them out. Uh, and, and then we have, I'm going to start taking some surveys, by the way. I, we, we pro, do we have any of, I'm not going to ask about the silent generation because I just made fun of them. Do we have any boomers in the house? Anybody who is 19, what's that? Right there, 1946 to 64. Very good. You're, you're right on the cusp. You're right on the cusp. Very good. Uh, then you got Generation X. That's 1965 to 1980. Can I get all the people who love neon colors and Don Johnson sports jackets? Anybody raise your hand? Any Gen Xers? There's like six of us. That's great. Very good. And then you got millennials, and these are the 81s to 96. I'll raise your hand if you're born 81 to 96. There's a few of you. You're so weird. 
I mean, first of all, we have Generation X and Generation Z. You wouldn't even be the Y in between. You decided you had to be something else. By the way, how depressing is it, by the way, when they first label it Generation X? They start there. The world's almost over. We've only got three generations left. So you got X, and then you got millennials who are sometimes known as Y, uh, just like a vowel, very good. And then Gen Z, 1997 to 2012. Raise your hand if you're Gen Z. Oh, look around the room. Look what you are. The zombie generation. That's it. Very good. And then you'll notice some overlap because it's so new they don't really even know where it starts. From the mid to early 2010s, kind of end of Gen Z to wherever we are now, they call them Generation Alpha, and they're just the technology-driven, disconnected, completely different mindset kind. Uh, they're the ones that you're going to think are brats. That's, that's the way that works because they're so different. Now, all of this, we love to separate these out, and we see the differences, and they are amazing. But let me help you out with this. None of this is biblical. This is all anti-biblical as far as Scripture speaks to generations. And when we use these terms to apply to generations when we see it in the Bible, then we actually do destruction instead of construction for the body of Christ. We have to understand generate, everybody say generation. We have to understand generation correctly. Let me show you how generations can be divisive. Cell phones. My generation versus the generation before mine versus yours. Your generation, if I call you on your cell phone, you're mad because that's not what phones are for. Right? They're for texting, they're for gaming, they're for social media. Don't call me, that's annoying. If I don't have my cell phone, I get a little anxious because I can't make calls that I need to make. And the generation before me never has their cell phone because it's plugged in on the kitchen counter at home. Does that make sense? The generation before me bought jeans to go to work, and they used them until they got holes in them and couldn't patch them anymore. My generation bought jeans, and we wore them until they got holes in them. Then we cut them off and made them jorts. And your generation goes to the store to buy jeans with holes in them. Y'all follow me on this? There's a difference in how we do this. And if we focus on those differences, man, there can be some separations. But the truth is, biblically, now let's talk about this biblically, when the Bible says generation, it doesn't mean X, Y, or Z. Such is the generation that seeks my face. Who will ascend the holy hill? Who has clean hands? Who has a pure heart? Such is the generation. Which generation? Is it the Y? Please tell me it's the Y millennials. Please. No. When the Bible says generation, it means everybody alive at that period of time, from young unto old. And so when we read the word generation in the Bible, you have to get rid of this. And you have to see this. And let me tell you why that's important. We need each other. The Bible only divides people into two ages, older and younger. That's it. You are a younger man if you are 39 or younger. But if you're 40 or older, you're an older man. Do you know what older women are? Whenever they say that older women are, right? But there's a dividing line, older and younger. I'm 51, so I'm an older man. Everybody, almost, almost, everybody else in this room is going to be a younger man. And God bless you, but those are the only two categories that they have. But the olders are always called to train up the youngers. And the youngers are called to teach and support the olders. And that's a generation. 
So when I came in today, I was ecstatic. I shook the hand of a couple ladies back here who were so complimented. They were like, oh, we've heard you preach. It's, it's encouraging. Man, that warmed my heart. And I realized that I get to, I get to the front row. These guys down here, these guys, animals, you know what I'm talking about? I talked to them in the, the foyer of church. You better be on the front row when I'm not here, too. You know what I'm talking about? That's it. That's it. You, you, you lift this campus up. You do that. And then Abigail over here, I don't even know if she knew. She was a little girl in my house. Right? When we were doing girl group, her parents came over, did Bible study, and to see you on stage, great googly moogly, that's good stuff. We are one generation, and we have to see ourselves in this. You coming in as preview students and families, coming into a community that's going to value the fact that this is not just a place for education. This is a place that we grow. This is a place that we mature. This is a place that we understand what it is to become something part of larger than just us. What do we do as a generation? All that being said, laying that groundwork, let me just say this, the church. In my congregation, when I say who's the church, we say we are. So let's try that real quick. Who's the church? Very good. The church is called the bride of Christ. And the bride of Christ is the church. And it is necessary to have a bride at a wedding. But if a bride is sick, there's no amount of beauty at the wedding that's going to make the wedding any good. I mean, you can have great flowers and awesome music, and if the bride is the whole time, that's going to be a bad wedding. Can I get an amen in the house? We are the bride of Christ. And if generationally we are sick, it doesn't matter how pretty we make the wedding. It doesn't matter how well we do church. We've got to get this fixed. So I want to take just a minute as we have time here to go over a passage in Psalm 145. Psalm 145, we're going to look at verses 4 through 7. Each verse of this, I want to give instruction on what it means for us to be a generation. Here's verse 4. Here's what it says. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. i got four statements from four verses. Here's the first one. I want you to see this. It says, we need to join God in his mighty works. A generation needs to join God in his mighty works. What in the world am I talking about? First of all, the word generation there, let me give you the etymological background, the Hebrew on this. The origin of the word, the word for generation is door, but they think it comes from the word der. <laughs> I love that, der. <laughs> is that my generation? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, der. And der was the word for circle, so it meant everything in a circle. But then moderna, which is not a medicine, it was a Hebrew word, moderna was actually a word for a pile. So everything in a circle but piled up. That's all of us. Older, youngers in a circle piled up, a big heap. And then that word became door, the word for all, everybody in a circle piled up. That's the word for generation. And what does it say? One generation, one big piled up circle shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I love this because they're talking about two things. Number one, they're talking about all the old stuff. Yes, God got us out of Egypt. Yes, God parted the Red Sea. Yes, God did this amazing stuff. But guess what he's doing in my life today too. It's not just about looking back, but we need to be a generation that joins God in doing stuff today because we need to be able to tell the next generation what God did in 2022. We need to tell him what God did in our lifetime. And so to do that, we have to join him in that. But the problem with doing crazy God stuff today is that it's a bit scary. It's a bit scary. What if I choose a different career path that doesn't make as much money, but it might give God glory? What if I choose to go someplace and do this job so that I can help with a church plant? What if I choose to go out on the edge and be a banner of Christian faith in my community? What, what if? 
We need to do these things so that we have a story to tell. And your story isn't, I made money. I had 2.5 kids. Poor 0.5 of a kid. I had a house, a car, and a mortgage that I gave my kids when I died. But that's not the dream. The dream for us is to join God in His... But that's scary. But don't be scared. I have a friend. His name is John Mark Clifton, and he's been preaching longer than I've been alive. And I heard him say something the other day. You ever hear old people say stuff? It's okay. Old people. I'm an old people to you. He's an old people to me. Do, do, do you ever hear old people say stuff? And you're like, that just can't be true. Has that ever happened to anybody? He said something. And I'm like, I look right at him and go, you're lying. That is such a lie. And he goes, no, look it up. And he told me to Google it. When an old person tells you to Google something, you know it's true, right? He said that rabbits die sometimes because they want to. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, no, man, we had a pet rabbit, came home, was in perfect shape, came home, just dead in the cage. Took it to the doctor, the vet, to dispose of the body, and we said, what happened? We want another one? We don't want to do this wrong. He goes, ah, oh, don't worry about it. Sometimes rabbits just die because they want to. And he goes, what are you talking about? He says, rabbits are completely prey animals. They have no, de- their only defense is being cute and fluffy. That's it. They're, they're a little quick, and, but they got nothing. They got, they got two big, dorky-looking teeth. That's all they got right? And they got whiskers and fur and a little puffy tail. They got nothing. So they know, instinctually, they know if a predator comes after them, they're done. That's it. They, they just get up every day going, I got to stay at a distance because if they get close, I'm toast. That's all there is to it. I'm dinner. So they have developed the ability to keep from suffering and go, oh, I'm dead, and just die right there. Literally, rabbits can die because they want to. In other words, he said, my rabbit in the cage heard a car backfire, went, this is it, and just died right there. Too many believers die in their faith just because they want. Too many people who have the power of God in their life, filled with the Holy Spirit, a community of believers around them, and the opportunity to be a part of this generation and do mighty acts, to to see God move in the Ukraine when the rest of the world thinks it's blowing up, to see opportunity, to see God move in a culture that looks like it's swirling the drain, but go, people need answers, and we've got answers, to step up and do mighty things so that we have stories to tell our kids and grandkids. And all God's people said, which I know this is challenging some of you because right now some of you are ready to graduate and you're like, I got plans. <laughs> There's an old quote, tell God your plans and listen to him laugh because <laughs> he's got better plans than you. And all God's people said, second, second, let's do this. The next verse says, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. That word meditate, on the count of three, everybody say meditate. One, two, three. What am I going to say here? We need to not only join God in his mighty works, but, next slide, remind each other of God's majesty. So not only do we join him in these works, step out and do these dangerous things, but now we need to get in the practice of reminding each other. That word meditate means to rehearse, to go over in your mind again and again, to practice, you athletes, to practice these things that we know that are true and that we tell them to one another again and again and again. Let's go to old people. We love this, don't you? Don't you love when your grandpa tells the same story for the 19th time? Some of you got moms and dads who are doing that already. They're going to be really bad when they get older. You just got to get ready for that. 
We tell that same story over and over and over again. We need to remind each other to meditate. We need to be believers that when somebody starts telling a story about how God moved, we're like, tell me more, tell me more. We, we need to gather around the table, not just to watch stupid fail videos and not just to share the tweet of the day, but we need to gather around and remind each other of the glory and the majesty of God. I remember I became a believer. I, I was saved, I believe, that Christ reached down and forgave me of my sins. I confessed him as a grade schooler, but I did not live for him all that time. When I became a senior in high school, I had a dramatic moment. I'm not gonna go into my testimony today, but I'd be glad to share it with you at some point if you'd like, but literally had a confrontation. Everything in my life was falling apart. My stepdad of 15 years, who was abusive, left my mom. We were flat broke. We had to move into a place that we used to rent out to other people. I was living in a detached garage for my senior year. It had no heat or AC. It was only slapboard in the middle of Kansas. I went to sleep in coveralls with a ski mask and space heaters pointed at me. I mean, it was a miserable existence. So I was looking forward to going to college because I would actually have a room with HVAC. It was great. And while I was packing to get ready to go, my senior spring semester, I had just an encounter with God, pulled out a record from a camp I had been to. By the way, a record is a vinyl disc that you used to put a needle on. You got music. It's an amazing device. Um, but I pulled this record out, and God just confronted me. I looked at that camp musician, and he said, are you going to follow me, or are you going to follow you? And I was devastated. I can't explain it any other way. I fell on the floor. I cried like a baby. I got up after that puddle, and uh, I made some decisions. I'm going to change my life. I'm going to go to church this weekend, even if I have to quit my job. And guess what? I had to quit my job. I I'm going to grow my hair long, because every picture of Jesus I'd seen, he had long hair. I'm going to start reading my Bible. I started, made these stupid commitments, but I made them. And from that moment, I started heading that direction, and, and, and I haven't really looked back. But I was amazed that as I found other believers and I started to get in community, that there was a varying degrees of interest. People, they call themselves believers, but varying degrees of interest that people had in even talking about God. I worked at a radio station as a second job, and I was a DJ uh, on, for KVGB out of Great Bend. And one of the gals who was there, she was a year or two older than me. She was already in college, and she was pretty, and I was kind of crushing on her and everything. And I found out after I converted that she was a, uh, a pastor's daughter, which, by the way, that should be a sign. If you work with somebody for a couple years and you don't know they're a believer, are they? I'm just going to say that and let that hang out there. But anyway, after I became a strong believer and started living it out, she identified herself as a pastor's daughter. And, and so we had a couple conversations. I was excited to have another believer here. And I remember one day that we were in the same room and we were just talking. And, and we started talking about Easter coming up. And, uh, and, and I started talking about the cross. And I started talking about the sacrifice. And, and it just it was so new and so fresh to me that my heart started to beat rapidly. And I got really excited. And I remember I got teary-eyed thinking about what Christ had done for me. And, and, and while I was doing that, she looked at me and she goes, oh, stop it. You're not one of those, are you? And I said, what do you mean? You're not one of those Christians who cries when you talk about Jesus. I remember thinking, oh, you're a pastor's daughter. You've been doing this your whole life. I'm brand new. May, may, oh, maybe I'm being stupid. Maybe. And I remember there was a day or two that I thought, she must be right and I must be wrong. 
And I'm so glad that I realized that there are people who call themselves Christians who don't act like Christ because if I'd have followed that path, I don't think I'd be here today. But instead, here's what I decided. I am one of those Christians and I am going to talk about Jesus and I am going to be moved and I am going to be thankful and I am going to look like a fool to everyone else. And I'm going to realize that what is the stumbling block to many is the cornerstone of my faith, that Jesus is worth people calling me out and labeling me and blocking me and defriending me. It's okay because Jesus still gives me a life at the end of the day. You all with me on this? And so as a generation, we have to learn, we have to, if, you, if, if your circle of friends right now, if you got them together, or what, Snapchat, is that still a thing? I don't, I don't know, okay, Snapchat, what, uh, Snap Bubble, I have no idea what it is. So if you, if you got on your group that you're always on, you say, hey guys, let me just tell you about what Jesus did today. What would be the fallout of that? If you got in your circle of friends and you just said, Woo, let me tell you what God means to me today, would people be like, oh, he needs therapy. Something's gone wrong, right? Or would they go, yeah, that's, that's who he is. That's who they are. That's the kind of community we need to be. Can I get an amen in the house? We need to be a generation that does the things that we can declare. We need to be a generation that reminds each other. Here's the third one, Psalm 145, 6. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. Third point is this. We're going to testify. Yes, we remind each other, but we are going to testify of God's awesome deeds. Now, I love this. The word speak, count of three, everybody say speak. One, two, three. And the word declare, everybody say declare on three. One, two, three. The word speak means to utter. The word declare means to write or to scribe. So in other words, all, that was all that they did not have video in this day. You understand that, right? They, they, there were no podcasts going around. Like Paul didn't have my missionary journey, number three, season four. That, that, that wasn't out there. You could either speak or you could write. These were the two things. So in every way possible, I am going to declare, and look at the great words, the majesty uh, I'm, I'm going to declare the awesome deeds, declare the greatness of God. The word might, the word might, for, for all you warriors out there, let me just share this with you. Do you know what the word might means? It actually means the fierceness of battle. I will declare the fierceness of battle of what God has done, and, and I will write about it. I will post about it. I will blog about it. I will, I will, I will do whatever. I'm going to make sure that his name gets exalted. Because when you got something to say, you can't not say it. Have you ever gotten some super good news? I mean, like the best news ever, and you're just like, hmm, I'm not going to tell anybody. You never did. The, immediately. I love this. We're in this culture. I think this is not right, but it's a great example. You get the best news you've ever gotten, you're like, oh, i got to tell everybody. And then it goes out on 17 channels, 15 text messages, you're on every platform, you're just doing that. We just tell people. Last Christmas, I was visiting a family on Christmas Day. Kathy and I went. They had a, an adult son who was in ICU with COVID. And at that point, they were giving him less than a 5% chance of surviving. By the way, he lived. He lived. It was amazing. And he's back in church last weekend. Anyway, that's not the story. Um, they gave him less than a 5% chance of living. So on Christmas Day, if you don't remember, it was kind of cold on Christmas Day. They couldn't go in to see him, so they were sitting outside the hospital, outside his window, and just looking in. And so we decided to go join him. I thought we'd join him for a few minutes. We ended up being there a couple hours, just because you should be there. And so we sat on these cold benches, and we started talking. And I'm talking to Jim, and I've been hunting with Jim before, and Joy and Kathy are talking over there. And, and we came with coats and hats, and I had my hands in my pockets. But have you ever just been really cold and got chilled? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, that, like that bone kind of chill. I apparently had that going on because, like, you can cover a lot of stuff. If you're hot, you're like, nah, I'm fine or whatever. But if you get chilled, you're like, and you get that little shake. There's nothing you can do to hide that. That is an involuntary response. 
And so I'm sitting there on that bench, and I, go, I, I just felt that chill. And I go, here it comes, and <laughs> had that little tremor like that. And Jim goes, you okay? I'm going, I'm fine. I'm fine. You're man to man. Don't, don't even, why do you acknowledge that? What's wrong with you? <laughs> A couple minutes later, there it comes again. Just <laughs> He's like, dude, do you need something? And Joy said, I have an extra blanket. Would you like one of my blankets? I'm like, no. I do not need your blanket. Thank you very much. Man, it wasn't 30 seconds later and just <laughs> teeth were chattering. While we're talking, nobody even asked. Joy just got up. She's still talking to Kathy. Looking at her, came over and put a blanket on me and tucked me into my chair. She went back, sat down. I looked over at Jim and he's just. And these were his words. I'll never tell. And I knew he's a liar that he was going to tell the first person that he possibly could. So that Sunday, I told the story to get ahead of the story. That's the way you got to do that, right? I knew that was too good for him to handle. He goes, hey, do you remember when my wife tucked you in? Oh, no, 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 no. That's the story. It's going to come out. Here's the deal. God has done so much for us. Jesus means so much to us that he has been such a blessing. I mean, you may think, oh, the economy's bad and inflation's up and, and our culture. Look around the world. We are still in one of the most blessed places we could ever be. We are safe, we are secure, and we have everything we need even though it's 11% more. We need to remember that and declare the glories of God, how his hand has been on us, and the opportunities that we've been given. What do we do with these things? I will speak, I will write, I will post, I will blog, I will cast, I will do everything to lift up the name of Jesus as a part of this generation. Can I get an amen in the house? One last one. Psalm 145, verse 7. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Here's what this last one's about. As a generation, we should worship God for his abundant goodness. Please don't lose sight. These are not independent thoughts. All of these are couched in the fact that we should do this generationally. And that means that, yes, you should be in college and enjoy this ministry, but you should be with adults in church as well, older adults in church as well. You, you should be helping out in children's ministry and helping in student ministry because everybody who's younger than you and you've walked a step further, guess what? You have something to offer them. And the people who are older than you, they're not boomers. They're not stupid. They're not out of touch. They've walked a different road and they have lessons that we can learn. And we have to be heaped up in a circle together, growing. And the best place to learn to do that is in worship. We come to worship together. We come to lift his name on high. We come to pour forth the fame. The, that phrase, pour forth. Everybody say pour forth on the count of three. One, two, three. It's from the word in Hebrew called nabah. It's also the word that we get profit from. And it means to literally bubble up. That, that it's like a spring that just gurgles up. That you can't not do this. It's like Jeremiah says, there's a fire in my bones. I can't get them out, right? That, that, that if we didn't worship, the rocks would cry out. That's that kind of feeling. That, that we have this thing in us. That God has done so much in us and for us and through us that it just wants to gurgle up. But that's a decision we have to make, believe it or not. We have to decide to be in a community that's going to draw that out of us, that wants to gurgle that up. That's a decision that we have to make. And sometimes we don't want to make it because it's uncomfortable. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was in Atlanta with a couple other pastors. I don't know if you can tell. I know there's perceptual differences or whatever, but I'm a big boy. I'm six foot four and a half and 200 pounds. And I mean, I'm, I'm a 
I'm a big boy, and I was traveling with a couple other big boys. One, one guy was bigger than me, right? And, and, and so we're getting ready to leave this conference and go to the airport. And they're not travelers, but I'm a traveler, so I Ubered for us. I got the app out, and, and I decided, I see three of us. We got three bags. I went Uber XL, right? <laughs> we, we need some space. And a, a guy confirmed. And when he confirmed, that, if you've never done this before, then it comes back and tells you who your driver is and what he's got. And I see he's five stars. He's got 5,000 drives. Yeah, it's really good. And he's driving a Prius. A Prius. And so I did a little chat. I go, hey, there's three of us. We all got bags. Are we going to fit? His quote was, most likely. He was a bad judge of spatial proportions. Let me just be honest with you. When he showed up, I thought maybe there was kind of a Prius I didn't know about, like a Prius truck or something, or a, a Prius cargo van. I had no idea. But no, it's just a Prius, man. And this thing pulled up right in front of us. And, and we're standing there, and he jumps out like everything's okay. I'm like, dude, are, are we going to fit in this? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like jumping on our suitcases to get him in the back, right? And, and he's shoving things in. And then right before we get in, right? he's the driver. We got a front passenger seat. We got the back seat. He goes, Oh, COVID. Everybody has to get in back. Are you serious? And he made three big boys get in the back of a Prius. It was the most uncomfortable place I've been in a long, long time. Cause I'm like, we are one in the bond of love. Just don't touch me. Can I get an amen in the house? I mean, I, I, air hug, we're good. I'm good. I got space. And I'm crammed in there next to a guy named David. And about 10 minutes in, I'm just like, dude, my arm's going around you. This is going to happen. He's like, let it happen, baby. Let it happen. <laughs> and when I reached around him, I got it halfway across the other guy's back. That's how close we were. And we were in this car just sitting on each other's laps forever. Here, here's what I want, to, I want you to keep that in mind. Because here's the issue. When we go where God wants us to go, when we do what God wants us to do, when we generate, it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. When, you, when you're hanging out with a bunch of, you know, you're a, you're a Z, but there's some millennials. You know, they got a pet lizard on their shoulder, and they're walking around with some of those flat-brimmed hats. And then you got these Generation X guys who are there, and they don't know what they're doing because they think it's still 1989, and they're singing Bruce Springsteen songs all the time. And, and there's a couple of boomers in the room complaining about everybody who's there but saying they love you. And, and you're just standing there going, I got homework. And there are better things. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. It's, but we are one generation and we have to get in that space because it's in that space that God says, This is the generation. It's that heaped up mess. You want to know why the bride is sick? The bride is sick because we have denied this. We have age graded, specialized, divided so much so that all we do is listen to and value ourselves and our own kind. But if we would come together in community, we have so much to learn and so much to offer until you get there. I, like I said, you're standing on the corner. When I was looking at that Prius, like, this is not going to happen. I don't care if I miss my flight. This is not going to happen. You have to tell yourself that you do things from time to time that you don't want to do. In worship, it's called aspirational singing. This is a worship pastor's term. I never heard this before. Let me tell you what aspirational singing is. Have you ever, ever sang a song in worship or in church, and as you're singing it, you're like, I don't believe this at all? Because I'm not there. I'm, I'm just not there. Right? I'm standing on the promises of Christ my King. And the truth is, I'm doubting everything. <laughs> or, all to Jesus I surrender. But the truth is, barely any of me he gets. It's not, it's not wrong to sing those songs. They're aspirational. We, 
you sometimes, let me put it differently, you will never feel your way into an action. Let me give you an example. If you don't like working out, you're never going to wait for the day till you feel like it. If you don't like working out, that day is never going to come. But if you go work out, all of a sudden you're like, I'm so glad I did this. You can act your way into a feeling. It's called aspirational singing. Let me give you the lines to one of my favorite aspirational worship songs. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy for all my days. Yes, I will. I don't want to get up and go to church this morning, but yes, I will. I don't want to hang out with that deacon that I'm supposed to do door duty with and smile at everybody because he's got cigar breath, but yes, I will. I don't want to go to the dorm room Bible study because the guy leading it always acts like he knows everything and, 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 and because he's somewhat good looking, all the girls think he does know what he's talking about, and, but I'm going to go anyway. Yes, I will. Y'all see what I'm saying? When I stood there and that car pulled up, and the, the other two guys were looking at me that weren't travelers. They're like, what do we do, Andy? And I'm like, get in the car. That's all we got right now. We don't have everything else. This is what we have. So today, with this heart, with this life, in these circumstances, with this church, with this school, with this group, with this body, get in the car. Get the car. Where are we going? Going the right way, uncomfortable, awkward, and yes, I'm going to need to shower as soon as we're done. But get in the car. Everybody say, get in the car. Nice and loud. Everybody say, get in the car. That is what we have to do. We have to get in the car. God has opportunities for us. God has amazing things in front of us. And if we continue to do it in this sick way, we're going to be a bride who ruins the wedding. But we can come together. There are churches all across this town that you could be a part of. This is your primary experience. This college is why you're here. But there's place to grow. Michael over here is pastor at Cross Point. Uh, here in town. There, but, but that's just on one end of town. Uh, up in uh, Lyons, what's the name of the church? King's Cross, up in Lyons. And, and between Cross Point and King's Cross, you have at least half a dozen options. Places that you can plug in and do that awkward thing. By the way, let me just, I got 35 seconds. Here we go. If you would go to somebody who's older, 40 plus, and you got to know them even just a little bit, and you said, hey, would you do me a favor? I want to get together with you once a week just to pray. I just want to learn and grow. The first thing that they're going to do is absolutely freak out. You're going to love to watch their face. It's going to be amazing because they're not used to that. Because this isn't your problem. This is a church problem. But if you went to them and you said, hey, can you pray with me? Can you help me grow? Can, can I just bounce some questions off you? And you did that. Do you know what you've done? You have improved the body of Christ. Not only have you taken your life forward, not only have you taken your steps, but you have taken that church, you've taken that ministry, and you've taken the body of Christ further. I'm challenging you. Be a part of this generation. Be a part of the mighty acts. Remind each other, testify, and worship together. One round heap mounted up, piled together, a big weird mess. Get in the car. Get in the car. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here, and I 
thank you for the friends that I know here. I thank you for the students that I've watched that are, are really passionately following you. God, it just does my heart good. But I pray that we would start a new trend and a new place, that we would be your church in your way by your standards and your designs, and we would be your generation, and we would repair the breach. For it is in Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, prospective students and families, great place to come to school. Please come be with us. We'd love to have you here for the rest of you. Many blessings. And I'm told that you need to get right to class because I'm 27 seconds late. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys.